On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're going to talk about when it's appropriate for an entrepreneur to reach out to a therapist. Now, I know this is a scary topic, but we're going to talk with Alyssa Nahara, and she has a podcast on mental health, and she's a mental health practitioner herself. And I promise it's not too scary. That's on this episode of Bootstrappers. This is the Bootstrapper Show for property management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business. Welcome to Bootstrappers, where we talk about topics that are relevant to real estate and property management entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Jeremy Aspen, and this is my spouse, Gwen. And I'm really excited about today's show. We're going to talk about when an entrepreneur should get a therapist. So I've had this idea in my head for a while that we should talk about when people, when entrepreneurs should get an EOS implementer, a coach, or a therapist, because we often feel this feeling of being overwhelmed and we don't know who to turn to. And I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs spend a lot of money on help that isn't exactly what they need. So today we're going to dig into that with Alyssa Nahara who is a mental health therapist, and she has a podcast called Therapist Uncut. And we're going to talk about when we should get a therapist if we have entrepreneurial issues. Now, Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. So if you're looking for professionals who can help you grow your business, go to anaquim.net right now and set up a discovery call. If you set up a discovery call, we'll give you a 50% discount on your pl- on your first placement fee uh, by mentioning the Bootstrappers show. So back to our, our theme question, do you need an EOS implementer, a coach, or a therapist? We've talked to EOS implementers before and uncovered that if we have a dynamic issue in our businesses where we really can't get along with the leadership team, where the business is floundering because people don't know what the expectations are, that's where an EOS implementer really comes in. And then we do, we've talked to coaches about maybe meeting goals, setting goals, and having some accountability with that goal setting process and being really future focused. But today we're going to talk about what kind of things entrepreneurs should maybe go to a therapist for. And so this would be a great time to bring Alyssa into the discussion. So Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am like dancing in my chair as I'm listening <laughs> to this because this is such an important topic for me, but also because mental health is just, it's really something that we need to pay more attention to. And sometimes we are not always cognizant of that. And we're so scared I am legitimately of it. So we're scared and we're uncomfortable, well, but and this I think is the greatest topic. One of the reasons is, be- well, I should ask this. So uh, are therapists solely for mental health issues? So the reason I think it's uncomfortable for people, I and mean, that's actually the question, but the reason I think it's uncomfortable for people is that in order for them to get there, they have to answer yes. They have to answer that question, yes. And then they need to, well, they need to accept that they have some sort of a mental health issue, which of course nobody wants to do, right? It seems to me. So are therapists solely for mental health issues? I think we would encompass it as mental health and mental wellness. So okay. the overarching myth, I think, is diagnosis. Not everybody meets criteria for diagnosis. Sometimes we just come in to focus on areas of our life. But overall, yes, we want to prioritize and give you permission as professionals to prioritize your mental health and your mental wellness. Which I would say in my case has taken a long time. Um, Like, uh, what do you call it? Meditation. It just seems goofy. You know, (laughs) on the outset, when you first... 
when you first try to go into, someone says, why don't you meditate? And you're like, eh, it sounds like not something I'm going to do. And, and then it's self-fulfilling. You don't end up doing it for years. So, you know, so that's how you feel about therapy too? Yeah, I think therapy is probably real similar to that because you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Because you have to be, you have to be, I don't know, you, you have to be, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to be not exposed. Well, you have self-aware. to admit you have a problem. And then yeah, that's well, and, and I think, struggle. And I'm wondering, do you have to admit that you have to have a problem, that you do have a problem? Or do you just have to admit that you can have a better life? Like, what's, what's the real threshold of determining when a therapist might be the most useful tool? You know, I would say that if you, in in property management, you guys have the honor of working with multiple personalities, right? Yes. You get to work with people. (laughs) I just work with Gwen and I'm working with multiple (laughs) personalities. Just kidding. So you, you get the privilege of doing that and you have a lot of people work, not just with your clients, but also with your teams. And And tenants. And tenants. And tenants. So you have all of these layers of people work. And one thing, just kind of thinking about your guys' profession as a whole, if you are noticing that there is a pattern in the personalities that trigger you and some people don't like the t word because it's a little clinical so i will kind of go back and forth between trigger and activate but basically you notice that there is a change in your physiology either you stop breathing you breathe quicker you're shaking you are talking faster if there's a pattern in that kind of personality i would encourage you to reflect on what is it about those characteristics that is resulting in you being activated to the point where you want to react instead of respond. So I would say that's one of the biggest things that comes up in organizations. Okay. Be aware of your personal triggers. Okay, so just to dig into that further. So if there's a personality or a type of conflict that gets mm-hmm. me to like have an outburst, is that what you're talking about? Yes. So it like can, what would an example like an outburst, of that yes. be? Like what kind of personalities set people off very regularly? So I, I'll give you a personal story. I have learned that I do not respond well to aggressive males domineering in my physical space. And I didn't even come to that realization until my most recent episode of therapy that that's a problem for me. And Mm. I have to take extra work to really show up and be present in that space and still be present in the conversation without going into this fight, flight, or freeze mode where I'm just reacting and want to run or want to punch you in the face, I'm never going to punch you in the face, but I might want to, right? Oh, that's so interesting. (laughs) Well, and can we drill down a little bit just to, I I, I think that uh, react instead of respond needs to be unpacked a little bit because they're, to some extent, they're synonyms, right? So what is the difference between reacting and responding? Oh, I love that you said they're synonyms because you said that. And I was like, no, they're not. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) They're totally different. Okay. So when you are responding, you can recognize in your body that you're more controlled, that you can think clearly, that thoughts are kind of flowing in your head pretty easily, and that you're probably more calm, composed, and definitely professional. A reaction is what happens when your body hits that fight, flight, or freeze so that you could imagine being like that fight. I know I said I want to punch you. I'm not going to fight anybody. I'm not going to punch anybody. But I might feel like I want to verbally attack or verbally raise my voice. Well, and it's the same physiology, right? Your body, whether you want to punch somebody or you want to react to somebody, it's the same physiology that's triggering your, your, well, it's the same, it's the same mental, I don't know, machinery that's driving your, your, your yes. reaction. 
Absolutely. And then the freeze is really more of a shutdown where I might like shut down and almost disconnect. And I can't even think clearly enough to get any words out of my mouth. And then I walk away and I'm like, what the F just happened? Yeah. I should have said this. Why didn't I say this? So I kind of what the freeze looks like. I also just kind of love this discussion because as a manager, it's kind of our, our job to identify this in our employees too. Yes. And say, hey, when, you know, I noticed that you don't respond in the most appropriate way in these circumstances. So quit being a dick. <laughs> well, I can kind of see you, you know, uh, you get upset, your voice gets louder in these certain circumstances. You know, what kind of things can we do to work on that? And so I like that you're just giving me language to manage people better. Right. And so maybe part of therapy for our our typical audience is business owners. Uh, Maybe therapy is working on ourselves with our reactions so that we can also show up better as leaders for our team because we can use the things that we learn in therapy to respond more ourselves and then pass that knowledge on to our teams. Yes. So you just described what we would call the parallel process, right? We want you to model as management and leadership, which you want to see in your teams. And if you are the person who's always flying off their lid, but you expect them to be calm and composed, there's a discrepancy there. So Mm -hmm. we definitely want to practice that self-awareness. And honestly, you're an adult. Mm -hmm. It is your responsibility to deal with whatever baggage you got going on. So you can show up for yourself and your team and your family and all the other places that you want to show up your best at. Absolutely. What's the difference? So is it a, for it to be something that needs to be worked on? Uh, you'd mentioned always flying off the handle, which I'm sus- I suspect isn't right. Like, how often does it have to happen before it's maybe a problem? <laughs> the reason you're here is because Gwen is trying to change me. No, it's not. <laughs> no, she's here because I'm kidding. I do want to clarify this. So I th- I think you're here because. In my own experience, I hit a wall where we got, I think we had a hundred employees and I kind of like flipped out a little bit. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit. Like I have to be the person that can inspire these people. And I have some work that I need to do because I think that my employees are almost more mature than me in certain areas. And how am I going to lead them if I'm more immature than the people I'm leading, I was feeling as if I, well, it was maybe some imposter syndrome, but also just this pressure to be better, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I'm going to be honest. I went to therapy and dug up all the dead bodies of my past so that I could be a better leader for my team because I knew what got me to that place wasn't going to get me to the next place. And so that's what drove me to therapy. But I think, and, and I'll say that that worked too. I mean, it did. Mm-hmm. You did a whole bunch of you know work. A whole shit <laughs> you went ton to work. so oh much damn therapy. You Jesus. had so yes. much work to do. And <laughs> but it's it. one of the greatest <laughs> investments that you can make. Is well, it, in your it was. It was very. It was very good. Like she's not a different person. I still love her, and it's it's worked out great. But she's a more confident person and a better leader. And I also think with uh, one of the things that I will say has helped me is when people got emotional with me, I would be like, I can't handle this. Like 
I just, this emotion is just way too much for me and I would check out. And that wasn't just bad for my business. It was bad for my kids. It's bad for my relationships, but like too much emotion. I would be like, I don't do this. I'm not going to be here for this. And I couldn't help my team work through their big emotions, which we like to pretend like, oh, work, we're going to be so professional and then I'm only going to be emotional in my personal life. But we all know that that's bullshit. I mean, right. And Gwen, when you Am went I to right? therapy, did you recognize where this pattern came from and why you were responding this way in the, in these specific situations? I mean, I had some trauma that I was aware of, but then it kind of, I mean, I went to, I think it was like three years, Jeremy of like, let me, let me look at the, <laughs> let me look at the checkbook. Yeah, three years of like (laughs) weekly therapy and I had some trauma things I had to work through and then um you know it kind of was like layers of onion but Mm -hmm. I got so much use out of it that I kept going back and then I finally got told that I had to leave the nest which was good so I apparently graduated whatever that means so how just back to always um how often does it have to happen where you're like okay I got to get something. This is a good opportunity for me to maybe go explore the possibility that I am just an asshole and need to change to a little bit change, you know, not an asshole, but yeah, treat people like an asshole, maybe. Um, Yeah, no, I think asshole is pretty appropriate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So how, what's the trigger for like, okay, you know, once in a while, maybe I can get away with it or or not be too hard on myself, but like what's the trigger? Or you know, Jeremy, activator. I would love to give you like one solid response, but, but. here's the thing is it's going to vary, yeah. right? It could be because it's been something that's been happening so often and maybe you're used to it, but your partner is like, this is still a problem and I need you to fix it. it that it could be that frequent, like over years, it could be one thing. Uh, so I have a therapy practice based out of California and we work with a lot of professionals and high stress um work environments. So attorneys, medical, health, child welfare, entrepreneurs. And sometimes I'm actually very well put together, but you know what? Shit's been really hard lately. And Mm. I just had a thought cross my head that I would never have. And I worry that if that thought gets fed, it's going to get worse. So for some people, it's just one incident and they come in and they say, this is not a place I've ever been before. And I don't want to stay here. And how do I get out of it? Mm. But so then other really people, their, part, their business partners or their employees are like, this outburst thing is too common. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. <laughs> there really should not be these emotional outbursts in the workplace because it, the workplace is supposed to be safe, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a leadership or management who is consistently stonewalling, so like cutting people out and not communicating whatsoever and doing the silent treatment or consistently talking down to people or taking, um, being accountable for all the good stuff, but not being accountable for all the stuff they screwed up on or consistently emotionally reacting in a way that it's just not beneficial. Like that's a problem. And those are areas. So if anyone recognizes any of those symptoms in themselves, that would be an appropriate moment to say, okay, therapy is the solution to this issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. So some other things you were mentioning this high pressure environment, a lot of people drink too much, for instance, when they're in a high pressure uh, environment. Do you see that a lot in your pr- uh, practice with? High- yes. 
Yes. You didn't yes, hesitate. Yes. Melissa on that one. Is it less common nowadays in the younger generation? I only ask that because I heard that the younger generation isn't uh, drinking as much. You know what? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I but wonder that if it'll is, change. Maybe as they come of age. They'll it, just start doing pot too much. And there yeah, is, it could very easily be another <laughs> substance. Yeah. But I don't think it or they're just checking out on their phone. Right. So, you know what? Yes, I would agree with one on that. I think we can fixate on one what we'd call like maladaptive coping skill. So mm. unhealthy coping skill and use that to disconnect and check out. So whether it's alcohol, shopping, social media, phone, I think it will vary. But alcohol is very much a problem, can be a problem, I'll say. And it's not just the work that we do with our individual clients in the therapy practice, but it's also something we put out there when we work with organizations because alcohol is such a, um, you know, promoted part of just the social networking culture, which is cool if you can manage it, Mm -hmm. but it's also the most like accepted way of dealing with things because it's legal and it's a part of our social culture. So I would say is your glass of wine at the end of the night to wind down because your brain won't stop spinning, turning into a bottle a night? Mm-hmm. Are you now losing hours in the day because you're hungover and you can't focus? Mm-hmm. Are you blacking out when you're drinking? Mm-hmm. Those would be signs that alcohol is now potentially something that you're becoming dependent on and it's probably not a healthy coping skill. So that would be another area where an entrepreneur might seek therapy is if they're yep. coping that they're it's always stressful, but there are healthy ways to cope and then there are unhealthy ways to cope. And so if their coping strategy for the natural stress that comes with running a business is causing them to respond in unhealthy coping ways, then therapy would be an answer. Well, and yes. so what would happen if you've got, cause I'm sure there's probably, we probably have a, a viewer, uh, one or two viewers that have drank alcohol on a regular, uh, on a regular basis. Um, and, or maybe they think that they're getting to the point where, God, you know, it is a little bit too often. What's, is there any sort of a quick little trick or something they can think about or some other way that they can go about of coping with the stress as opposed to the, 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 the easy button, which is to, and have a beer. <laughs> I would say that if you're starting to notice that the quickest thing you can do is just be very aware of the intention behind the alcohol, behind the drink. Mm. I think what we hear so often is like, oh, oh my God, I need a drink. That was stressful. That was crazy. That was out of control. I need a drink. And it's just kind of the common language that we use. But if you are actually grabbing a drink, feeling like you need a drink to de-stress, to come down from a conversation you have with an employee or to come down from a conflict that you had with your spouse or kids. Think about the intention behind that. And if you are finding that I need a drink, just tap into the possibility of doing anything else but that. And how does that work for you? Is that hard for you or is it actually pretty easy for you? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's the key, isn't it? Okay. want to talk about burnout because burnout yeah. is a common word we use, but what does that actually look like in people's lives? You know, burnout can... I realize when I kind of spill off some symptoms of it, it can almost mimic depressive symptoms. When Mm -hmm. I talk about you can't sleep, you can't focus. There's a loss of motivation. Things that you used to enjoy are not making you happy anymore. And you're kind of like at this meh place. Mm. The burnout is so real, especially as an entrepreneur. And especially if you top that on top of with having these internal conflicts or negative beliefs about yourself that you've always struggled with, that's just a lot of layers to deal with. So recognizing 
when you almost like if your language changes, um, I think for me, oh. I moved from I'm going to the office to I'm going to work. What well, fuck that is my business. That is not work. It is what I love. It is my passion. Why am I now calling it work? Oh. And so I had to sit back and reflect on that. So thinking about what language is going through your head mm. as you do this, because that's really telling to where your mindset is right now. And has your mindset shifted since, you know, six months ago or when you acquired this new property or series of property or since you started this new business? It's, I'd say being an entrepreneur, you are at high risk of losing those boundaries and that balance and mm. could fall closer to the fire of burnout. Okay. So burnout can mimic depression. Sometimes, yes. Okay. And so depression is also one of those, I think this is one of the most shameful things that entrepreneurs feel because they're like, Mm -hmm. I run my own business. I have to be bulletproof. I have to be positive for my team. I have to look like I'm making a ton of money. But then underneath Mm -hmm. all that pressure can be depression. And so do you see depression in entrepreneurs a lot, like secret depression? Often. Anxiety and depression. There's typically a combination of both. And depression, it's very rare that people will call and say, I'm feeling depressed. Can I come in? It ends up looking in the form of over drinking, over smoking, uh, feeling like it's I'm just going through the motions, like I'm on autopilot. I can't be present. I can't sleep. Uh, my appetite has changed. I've either lost a lot of weight or put on a lot of weight in the last six months. Mm. So depression is really the prolonged period. Burnout can happen in spurts and then we kind of recover from it and then we might hit it again. Depression is more long-term. Okay. Like several weeks into several months, I can't get out of this space. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm also curious about another issue that harms uh, entrepreneurs. So everybody is struggling with keeping talent because the mm-hmm. job market is really tight. It's hard to get great people. It's hard um, to keep people. You can pay them more. And so um, a lot of the times we're asking ourselves, like, are we inspiring enough? And so is that a reason if you see your team leaving that people should go to therapy, for instance? It could be. I think sometimes people think therapy has to come from like this deep, intense trauma, or I survived a war, or I'm a refugee. It doesn't always have to. It can come from smaller moments. If you feel like you're struggling with inadequacy, or if you Mm. feel like you're struggling with failure. And um, actually going back to one of the episodes that you guys recorded on goal setting and it's in my notes. So let me figure out where I have it, (laughs) but it was on goal setting and Gwen stated something along the lines of uh, everybody with an idea thinks they have what it takes, but the executing is what separates a successful from a mediocre business. Yeah, And that stood out because there are some negative conflicts or internal conflicts that can come up in your planning of, you know, the planning stages of starting a business around being good enough or fear of failure. But it's that execution and the maintenance stage that is going to screw with every insecurity you've ever had. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being ready to deal with that as they come up. Well, I do think even starting a company, like the entrepreneurship 
sometimes comes from a negative place. Like for instance, um, if you didn't succeed in corporate America and you end up falling into entrepreneurship because you didn't succeed there, you can have a good beginning to your business. But as you said, get into that maintenance stage and then be like, oh, but I am not good enough to keep my team. I'm not good enough to make actual money in this. And that's where it can get really dark. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like when they... Yes, it <laughs> can. This, and I think this phase is because there's been some recent incidents with our, and my husband and I, we own several businesses. And so some of this comes from my professional experience, but also my personal experience of, you know, working with my husband to navigate all of these. Well, there was a series of incidents that landed me back in therapy. I was like, man, I thought it was done, but I'm back in another episode of therapy doing yeah. stuff that I thought I had already dealt with. But obviously, I didn't. Well, so it turned into what it was. Did you want to say something? Well, yeah, I'm just curious. So, oh, hey, what's up, Jeremy? I haven't what's heard going on, right? Yeah, I just when <laughs> she's talking, I just shut up. Or when either of you are talking. Um, so, how much of the anxiety or the depression or the, just generally mental health issues are caused by, especially with entrepreneurs, um, financial pressures? It's a huge stressor, and I'm certain you guys have heard the the stress that finances can put on a couple and on the marriage. But even individually, it, it it has the potential of anxiety will take you into the snowball of all of the worst possible case scenarios. So while mm -hmm. it's important to do like a risk analysis when you're running your numbers, anxiety will tell you and convince you that if X, Y, and Z do not happen. Your numbers will end up here and everything, you're going to lose everything and it, you just spiral into all of these negative thoughts. So I would say that the financial piece, especially because sometimes there's stability and then there's some months or some quarters where maybe it's not stable, it can potentially put you closer to experiencing those mental health symptoms. I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was Dave Ramsey, but one thing I think we did right coming Oh, up, I love Dave Ramsey. He's, yeah, he's smart. <laughs> um, I think it was him. We had decided that we were going to have a small house, big life kind of mentality paid our houses mm -hmm. off long time ago, just so that we never had to worry about, because we knew we were going into entrepreneurism, entrepreneurialism. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of set it up that way. And I think we never really had those financial pressures because of that. We also never had a great house, you know, mm -hmm. never, never. That, a beautiful we were big. never showing, showing off to others, but I think we were more into the game than yeah. that, than being like, Baller, yeah, we, we clipped yeah. our peacock feathers pretty early, even to this day. But I, mean, I, I think it was because we were concerned of that that kind of financial pressure would put us over the edge. We're also really lucky because one of us would stop making money and try something entrepreneurial while the other person made a consistent income. Mm -hmm. And uh -huh. so by flip-flopping who was doing the startup, that helps. Yeah. I know a lot of businesses don't have two entrepreneurial people in one family but yeah, I think those financial stresses really do play a role in depression for entrepreneurs. So, mm -hmm. okay, so let's just go through some other, just kind of pitch. If someone, just put it in a bow for us. If someone's going yeah. through this, that, or the other, they should seek out a therapist. For sure. I'll start with anxiety. So anxiety looks like fixation, fixating on what you just said or what you just did and what you're going to say next or what you're going to do next. If you're struggling with anxiety, it's very hard for you to be in the moment. It could be in the moment with a client, a tenant, your team, because you're so worried about everything else. So anxiety is 
fully excessive worry and not just about one thing, but about everything so much so that I feel really distracted that it's hard for me to go to sleep. Or when I fall asleep, I actually wake up fairly often throughout the night. If you guys have ever had those moments where you're like, <gasps> like you're late for school, but you're 40 years old and obviously <laughs> you don't, you know, you don't need to be at school. Yes. But it's almost those intense feelings or maybe it's you have a hard time staying asleep, falling asleep. I think I just said that. Um, but the other piece is you're more irritable, mm. more irritable than usual. So much so that it's now impacting your relationship with your family, your kids, with your business, with your employees, you're on edge and your body will also physiologically tell you when something is not right, right? Your body starts to deplete and your immune system drops. So those are a lot of signs that could happen with anxiety and anxiety and depression can often occur together. So keep that in mind too. Mm -hmm. And depression, are you utilizing substances or an activity to come down or cope with some of the stress? So we talked about the drinking, uh, the drugs, the, are you now dabbling in drugs that you actually didn't do before? <laughs> that could be <laughs> You're a like problem. 40 yeah. starting drugs. Yeah. 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 That, that could be a red so, so I would encourage you to reflect <laughs> on that. <laughs> so now I'm convinced that um, Alyssa is here because Gwen put me up to, she needed Ooh. me to get some, <laughs> some, <laughs> some therapy. No, not really. But um, so it, one thing did ring true. So you say, well, not just one, the whole show has, but right recently, anxiety and depression, the, the connection between them. I'm sorry, distraction, anxiety and distraction. Um, so I, I suffer from anxiety. Like I am now in the last couple of weeks suffering. I'm not sleeping. Um, and I do think it's from being distracted, but I'm also ADD. So how do you tease that out of the equation or can you? Does it just make me more likely to be unhealthily anxious? You know, I often tell people who are in a relationship, if one or both partners has ADD, it's something that has to be managed when you're an adult because ADD can have you hyper-focus on things and that could be great. And then there's cons to that or because ADD can contribute to forgetfulness. And that's usually not very good when you're in a relationship or running a business. Maybe you feel like you have to write everything down, but having co-occurring things that are happening just makes you more responsible for managing all of it together. And so the, what can often often happen with that uh, cycle of ADD and anxiety is you, you just end up in the cycle by hyperfixate. I'm distracted. I'm focused. I feel accomplished, but now I'm hyperfixating on the next step or how that went. And you just kind of end up in this cycle. So I think we attribute ADD with having the distractedness mm -hmm. and sometimes forget that, especially in women, it can result in more of the hyper-focused. Yeah. And um, I took, uh, what was that drug I took? Adderall. Adderall. Just tested Yeah. It. Did that help? Yo, for a while, but then I took too much of it and I was <laughs> jacked up for, and I couldn't sleep at all. Because I, <laughs> I was like, you took that much Adderall? Yeah, Jeez. it was a mistake, but boy. For the couple of days that I did to it, I can't, I can't be prescribed because otherwise, well, I better not say because I could, but I, I can't, I can't have the prescription. So I tried it. 
Um, and this is years ago, but <laughs> years ago, we're admitting drug yeah. off label drug use. We just well, talked about drugs, Jeremy. I, I, I wanted to see if the consequence was worth it because the consequence for me right. was like getting rid of one of my big hobbies. Um, so I tried it and man, I focused, I've never to this day been as, as productive as I was. During. You also almost had a heart attack. So there's yeah, that. Yeah. It was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I would encourage, um, if no anybody is taking medication insured is under the guise of your doctor or psychiatrist. Don't, don't ask your they sales they guy. They know everything. Don't ask your sales guy for, for medicine. Is All right. It? Yeah. Probably a bad idea. <laughs> Um, but I love the honesty because <laughs> that's a common thing. Like that is oh, yeah. crazy. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Way oh, easier. Oh my gosh. Well, I love that we kind of went there at the in the show today. I feel like we went there, Alyssa. We went there, and I am wondering how many of your listeners are still listening because we hit so many <laughs> uncomfortable things that sometimes we're not ready to hear, acknowledge, or even consider. So if you are still listening to this, we see you. Take care of yourself. And if it includes therapy, please. And it's okay to ask for help. There's no shame in that game. I'm so glad that I went to therapy for three years. It was supposed to be like five sessions. Remember that? Oh, yeah. You don't think it's going to be long. I was like, (laughs) I'm going to go for this one thing, this one traumatic event. And I read that EMDR, you can be done in like five (gasps) times. Did you do EMDR? I did, girl. Oh, I am so I did all the things. Yeah. I'm so proud. So for all your listeners who don't know what that is, it's a very trauma-specific intervention that is magical. Like you I would love for Gwen to talk about her experience. We probably don't have time, but it is magical and it works very well for other depressive and anxious uh, symptoms as well. So look that up. It's so, yeah, (laughs) there's a book called uh, The Body Keeps Score and it has like a lot of alternative, not like still medically validated, but alternative methods. If CBT, which is the typical therapy given in the United States, doesn't work for you, don't lose hope. There are other methods that may be better. And I I think that that's a story. And again, we're going on a tangent, but that's a story for another day is that some therapy methods don't work for you. That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. That doesn't mean you're forever broken. And Mm -hmm. it it doesn't mean that you can't get better. Therapist doesn't work for you. Like, it's okay to say, hey, therapist, this isn't working. I'm going to find somebody else. Absolutely. Know that too. And it's not necessarily like um, Reiki alternative. It's more like alternative like new medicine, like advanced. Yes. You know? It's just a, is that a different word is a turnoff. Yeah, sure. But it, it's like, an al- it's a different methodology that can kind of get into your brain, but it's totally um, medically validated by like JAMA. I don't know if it's in JAMA, but like, you know what? I, what <laughs> Alyssa, help me out here. I don't even know who JAMA is. Oh, it's like a the- journal of... Um, <laughs> American, American Association. American Medical, Medical Association. Association. Yeah. It's like I one don't of those think I've journals. Ever heard that <laughs> but I know the journal. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, it's in like real medical journals. It's not like you know, Goop is telling you to do. <laughs> Like that, that <laughs> Goop is is uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's website with a lot of alternatives. Oh, okay, <laughs> Sorry okay. for the men out there who yeah. don't know, but it's not like I'm going to to Gwyneth Paltrow for my okay. mental health advice. It's like a legit thing. But at and any rate, we, we digress. You just said you just said all the men out there, and I actually want to speak specifically to the men out there. I thoroughly love working with men because it just. I think there's so many barriers that are being broken down for when a man calls and says, Hey, I'd like to schedule an appointment. And it's not always common for the male to seek therapy. So 
I am going to encourage, yes, everybody, all your listeners, but if you are a male listening to this and you are struggling with some emotional outbursts or potential alcohol use that you're questioning, um, or maybe your partner or kids are like, hey, I'd encourage you to work on this. This is kind of a problem. Like, please be vulnerable enough to try it. Just try it. Just or try strong it. enough. Another way of saying vulnerable is strong. <laughs> God, vom- yeah. you're right. You're right, right. right. I'll, I'll be <laughs> the male East translator. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Alyssa, we're basically doing this again because this is such a fun conversation and we so appreciate oh, your it. input. Tell us where people can find you and how you can support uh, business owners. Absolutely. So you can find me on social media at Alyssa R. Nahara, or you can find me at my website, which is A-L-Y-S-S-A-N as in Nancy, A-J-E-R-A.com, AlyssaNahara.com. Awesome, Alyssa. This has been so much fun. And, and see, we didn't think you didn't think that talking about therapy would be fun, but it was. It, it was, was a great fun. conversation. Well, thanks again, Alyssa. And um, just a reminder to everyone: Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. If you're looking for amazing professionals who can help you grow your business, go to Anaquim.net, and you can get fifty percent off of your first placement fee by mentioning the Bootstrappers show. Thanks again, Alyssa. This was great. And that's a wrap. We'll see you next time on the Bootstrapper Show. This is the Bootstrapper Show for property management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business.